Okay, hello. With me today is Hardeep Gulati, Chief Executive Officer at Power School Group. The company probably doesn't need an introduction to this audience, but uh, allow me the due diligence to do so anyway. <laughs> Power School is the number one leading education technology platform for K-12, serving more than 32 million students, 65 million parents, and nearly 100 million users in over 70 countries around the world. The company provides the industry's first unified classroom experience with best-in-class, secure, and compliant online solutions. These include registration and school choice, student information systems, learning management and classroom collaboration, assessment, analytics, and special education management. Is that it? <laughs> uh, they empower teachers and drive student growth through innovative digital classroom capabilities and engage families through real-time communications across any device. Uh, I'm very pleased for many reasons to have Hardeep here, but uh, the first is to have an interview that doesn't start out talking specifically about the pandemic, but some actually good old-fashioned industry news. Uh, last week, PowerSchool announced their acquisition of Who Knew It, uh, which supports more than 14.5 million students, including 12 state and territory-wide deployments, de deployments such as Texas, Louisiana, and Indiana. Uh, with its K-12 analytics and data management solution. Together, the companies uh, hope that they will allow ed educators access to breakthrough analytics that integrate all those systems that I mentioned earlier, uh, as well as other uh, products that they currently use today. Hardeep, again, thanks for joining us and uh, congratulations on the news. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for having me on this call. I find it uh, interesting. Uh, so many strange phenomenon as a result of, of 2020 and uh, you know you're sitting in your home office I'm sitting in my home office we should be at some sort of uh, trade show right now uh, you know huddled around people but we're not um, but at the same time it seems business can go on as usual somehow uh, in a lot of respects talk a little bit about how um, you were able to you know create this this sort of uh, acquisition during the middle of a, a pandemic. Yeah, Kevin, you're absolutely right. This is a year like none other. And uh, while definitely we all, to your point, are having to deal with things in our own house, in our own companies, uh, we have 2,500 employees and we are all actually globally working from home, making sure that uh, we can keep the employees, the communities, the families safe. Uh, but uh, at the same time, we have a, a very important role to play in to make sure that the, our students, our teachers can continue to be safe and they can still keep the learning going in the districts we serve. As you mentioned, we almost uh, serve about 75% of the North American schools and pretty much all of them had to shift overnight into a full virtual or some kind of a blended hybrid model. Uh, we had uh, a lot of demand, almost 700% increase in our usage of our systems, whether it's our learning management platform, Schoology, um, we saw actually not only 700% usage increase, we added about 4 million students just in North America over the last few months to make sure that this back to school, students and teachers have the right tools. But this acquisition to your point was very key because as we continue to progress, there is more recognition. And this has been an ongoing need in the market. How do you really connect the dots? How do you truly understand how the students are doing in real time? not as a backward view mirror, not something you realize after doing a benchmark or end of the year, how the kids did, 
how do you as teachers and principals and district leaders can see how the things are going right now? And that's even more important when you're not fully in the class and you're in a blended or virtual fashion, you need to understand uh, all your learning uh, strategies and initiatives, the students are still engaged, where the learning gap because of all this uh, pandemic and the gaps, you know, they've been calling it the COVID slide. Yeah. And then also from a whole child, how the social emotional well-being, because that plays a big role. The schools, you know, really provide an environment which is now missing as well in some sense. So really bringing all that together, it was really exciting that we partnered with Hunuit to bring them into the power school where they already have been working with almost 14 million students across 12 state contracts and hundreds of other districts where they were providing that rich set of comprehensive analytics. And now our districts can get the benefit of all that, uh, whether they use power school or not, but really we can give them all these analytics which are very needed right now. Yeah, it really feels that um, the combination of, of both your companies almost leads to kind of a, a, a standard operating system. I mean, there, there, there's so many students that are already on it. And I know that many of the technologies and uh, services uh, that PowerSchool provides had already had elements that involved remote learning, right, and, 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 and distance learning. But maybe not to the degree that was needed come uh, the middle of March. T talk a little bit about how uh, you were uh, able to pivot and provide probably new and scaled up services that, uh, that districts were looking for. And you're absolutely right. You know, we, you know, uh, I remember uh, we had a conversation five years back uh, at one of the trade shows. And uh, as uh, you know, we talked about one of the key opportunities we saw in the K-12 was the districts have had niche solutions to take advantage of, but they didn't really have an enterprise class, you know, backbone or integration that can really help them connect all the different disparate system. And what was causing it was causing a lot of inefficiencies in the districts, huge amount of additional costs, they're reinventing the wheel, huge amount of time lag for teachers. Teachers were spending 40% of their time in non-teaching stuff in administrative aspects because having to deal with all this fragmentation. So we, our goal and vision all these years has been, how do we become the backbone of a K-12 district? And whether they're using our systems or they're using additional other systems, we can still help them connect all those different disparate environments so they have a much more unified experience. That has been vision what we've been marching on. We have brought in some of the best education companies into our portfolio and integrated them, but at the same time remain open that irrespective of what system they have, we can still be their backbone in the middleware to help really connect all that dots. Now, one of the things, as you mentioned, in this uh, pandemic, this was very important. How do you do a hybrid education? It's about the, not just the learning environment, providing a distance hybrid learning. It's about how do you make sure the teachers have the professional learning to provide all the right support? How do you do equity in a digital world? How do you make sure that your learning styles are factored in? So we gone into full gear, not with our just Schoology platform. We also really focused on our professional learning module, which was being leveraged by lots of districts and bringing it together so districts are, are trained, the teachers have the tools and best practices to be shared that allows them to actually deal with all this new change. Yeah. We also were looking at how do you make sure that the district back office administrators, student enrollments, uh, all, they can be safe. So our enrollment modules, 
to make sure that the districts can do remote so parents don't have to stand in a line to enroll kids in the communities. They can still make sure that the enrollment and attendance is still on the heavy gear to be not leaving any students behind or missing them. Yeah. It's also the fact that providing flexibility of schedules, flexibility of attendance, how to align different modules so the kids can switch between hybrid into a physical depending upon their community and how they feel comfortable or being able to really have the opportunity to, to engage in a different level which is comfortable to them and their needs. So really providing the entire flexibility across not just the classroom but the back office as well as uh, making sure that the students, teachers and the administrators can all be safe and yet the learning can go on whether it's in the homeroom or in the home and that's became our mission and we have been working very closely with the districts through that. Yeah, well, it must have been um, almost like triage, I would expect, in, in the spring. Uh, any kind of unexpected innovations that, in your experience from districts who began to use data, say, uh, in, a, in a different way uh, than maybe it had been intended before the pandemic? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, there are some silver lining in, in uh, all this. I think one of the key things is what we are clearly hearing the loud, loud from all of our uh, districts is that there is a need, they all recognize the need for digital transformation. Something we have seen in other industries over the last decade or so, we are seeing that the K-12 district do realize that this pandemic has been an impetus to accelerate that digital transformation in district. Uh, some, you know, you, you might think there's a lot of focus on just the learning management classroom. We actually seeing a lot of even improvement on the talent management and the HR systems to make sure that districts realize that teachers still had to go into the back office to do apply for vacation or substitute, you know, a teacher or being able to really sit in the classroom for professional learning. So they're changing all that aspects as well. So we are seeing the transformation across the full apparatus. And what is a growing recognition, while it has also exposed bigger issues in equity as it comes to our society in terms of the students who don't have it has also kind of, you know, realized that the technology can be that driver, which can help bridge that. Uh, we are definitely uh, seeing more view on the analytics. There are a couple, you know, there, there's a doc different aspects where our districts realizing, depending upon, as you can imagine, in our uh, urban districts, we actually saw a huge amount of engagement level, almost 96% engagement level. But as we went into the rural districts or even some urban uh, you know, city centers, we saw actually that engagement was much lower. Yeah. So districts are using that data to really look at new ways, even mapping them out to their communities through the bus routes to see how they can actually go in and provide the right intervention. So something which, uh, you know, again, we kudos to the teachers and the principal and the community, they are really taking every bit of uh, effort to make sure that no, no child is left behind. Yeah, that is interesting. And I've been noticing a lot of conversations uh, amongst industry leaders um, discussing digital equity in a concrete way that had never really been discussed before. It was always kind of this conceptual, almost esoteric uh, issue. Uh, and now it's kind of like getting into the nitty gritty where you know, districts are using their, their mapping software uh, to identify where they need to put hotspots, right? Where before they were using it to where they should build buildings. Um, the other aspect of that, uh, where when you talk about digital equity and the need for all students to have access, which is certainly uh, important. On the flip side, 
I've seen some companies talk about developing their technologies so that you don't need to be online all the time. So the difference between synchronous and asynchronous, but to develop the softwares to where maybe the kids go to the library, they download what they need, and they can go home without having access. Can you, uh, can you just discuss that point at all? Uh, that's a great point. Um, I think one of the key things that we saw is that, uh, as you can imagine, there are just a lot of different systems in a typically what teachers and students use in a classroom. You know, you want your uh, assignments in sitting in a Google or Teams. You are looking in your documents you're collaborating on. You have your online videos, synchronous learning in a Zoom or a, a Teams or a Chime or whatever tool you use or WebEx, right? Um, you are you have some online content from the publishers. You're giving it for supplemental. You're, so you have YouTube videos you want to uh, share. The teachers have certain instructional aspects. And then there is also the, you know, different ways the kids are, uh, in, you know, interacting with each other, whether it's on Discord or other ways of how the kids are talking to each other. How do you make sure that to really keep the learning going in this mode where it doesn't have, it may not be fully virtual, it may not be fully synchronous, it may be some days of schools and some days of uh, working remotely. How do you make sure that there's still a sense of structure and continuity and aspects because it's important to not just measure the engagement, it's important to understand the engagement, the achievement, as well as the whole child from a social, uh, emotional aspects. So it's really the holistic aspects. And one of the big things what we have seen is really with our LMS environment is really bringing it all together. So it integrates into a Google, it integrates to a Zoom or a Teams, it integrates into uh, the online content from all sources, it allows to integrate into different messaging platforms. So really becoming a central hub, then it really still provides all that flexibility, but yeah. you have a, some level of resemblance of structure, which you do in a classroom, in an online, in a learning hub. And having Hanuit now to really give you that all sorts of analytics around it, not just in the pre, you know, reactive way, but actually even predictive way. So mm -hmm. one of the beauties of the Hanuit is actually uses machine learning and it's been used by dozens of districts, including county, entire Santa Clara County, where they're actually predicting based on different levels, what are the students at risk and what would be the student success. So now you can even be proactive uh, to even catch the problems or catch the areas even before they really start uh, having into a bigger issue. Right. I mean, so that, that brings us into a conversation of um, you know, the idea of artificial intelligence uh, and the use of data. And again, you know, BP, before the pandemic, uh, I think one of the big uh, boogeymen for a lot of uh, communities, uh, parents especially, was the use of student data and afraid of what's going to be used with it and you know, the importance of the security of it all. But now here we are in the pandemic and we're talking about using data to help enable students and ed educate the whole child. Uh, how has, how has that changed and how do you think the perception of the use of data, and especially when you say predictive data, it starts to sound a little science fiction, um, how do you think that that will change for a wider, uh, a wider audience of, uh, of parents and teachers? Yeah, and first, it's a, it's a very important point. Student data privacy and student data security is very important, right? Uh, we would never want to be in a situation where, you know, we're compromising your kids' data. Uh, we actually not only have the privacy pledge, but we go through intense amount to make sure that the data belongs still to the districts, to the parents, to the student, right? How do we make sure that 
that always in the go. Within that construct, how do we give them more capabilities so they can take advantage and have that early visibility? That's the main uh, effort from our side is that we almost sort of giving the tools so districts can make this from a backward view mirror to a front facing view. And tools like being in predictive models now can actually give them that sense of understanding what are the factors to keep in mind. Uh, for a long time, districts and leaders and teachers struggled because they 90% of the, uh, the district administrators talk about that they don't have access to the data to help them make the right decisions. It's for a variety of reasons, whether it's different systems, whether it's not lack of tools, whether it's a, a, the lack of uh, you know, importance, but now they have the ability to really bring it together. That's one of the big motivations for Hermit, where not only it has the most comprehensive, so it looks at not just student data, actually understanding teacher preparedness, understanding back office, what investment the districts are doing. So really looking at it holistically to help improve the efficiency, but also empower that. But it also works with state, with 12 state contracts, where they're working on providing the community the dashboards, the visibility they need to understand what are the right education for their child. And then being able to also make sure that these are solving the problems right now. Districts are struggling on how to make sure that they can keep kids in school, the graduation rates don't drop, that the learning gaps don't widen, and giving that power to them now, which is what they need the most. Another uh, aspect to the use of that data and when you talk about uh, the whole child is the whole um, aspect of assessment. And we were watching before the pandemic, um, especially when it comes to uh, SATs and ACTs and, and that sort of assessing, uh, kind of imploding <laughs> even before this, this began. Um, and now with the suspension of state assessments uh, and those uses of data to mark the progress of a child. Um, do you see those things changing and maybe a less of a reliance on straight, say, literacy scores or literacy rates and more of an assessment of, of the whole child through, I mean, I don't know, if we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, maybe we could talk about digital portfolios or, you know, the use of uh, these sort of technologies to also uh, assess a child. Yeah, no, that's a great point. We always have been a proponent of formative assessments. Uh, and the reason that is because it's much more real time. It allows to teachers to do more data to instruction. And what I mean by that is that as the teacher is actually teaching a subject, rather than just relying on a benchmark or summative to end, if teachers have the ability to do standard-based assessments in the, with the instruction, so the next day the teacher comes to school, they understand that did, did what I taught yesterday, did the kids get that concept? Yeah. If majority of the kids did not get that concept, let me take another effort while it's still fresh in their mind to help them make sure that they get the concept. Or if majority got it, but only few kids who are fallen behind, they did not get the concept, let me create a personalized learning path based on exactly the gaps they did not connect to be able to do that. You can imagine as a teacher doing that kind of formative data-driven and personalized instruction without having technology is very difficult when you're teaching 25 kids in a class in multiple sections, sometimes even 100, 180 kids, uh, the teachers, you, while they are superhumans, uh, they still have their limits that how they can individualize that for that each child. This is where we, our effort has been 
bringing together the, not just our best-in-class learning management platform, but our best-in-class assessment and analytics platform, marry that with the whole child analytics and understanding of not just about the student, but even about the teachers, so we can bring that all together to personalize the education and support the teachers. So ultimately, it empowers the teacher further so that they can now have that handy, just like you expect that out of your Amazon, in terms of your preferences to what next you might be interested in. So you don't have to go spend hours looking at it. This gives that power to the teachers. So now it's further empowering them to helping those you know, information that now they can use to improve their entire learning experience in the classroom. Right, and, and improve their ability to, to manage um, is also a way that this can help uh, solve some of the digital equity issues that we were talking about uh, earlier. Uh, I recently spoke with a company uh, who focuses on um, mental health awareness, which is an obvious one uh, these days. Uh, but where in you know large urban districts where you would only have a counselor that could see five students in person can now see 35 uh, through Zoom. Uh, and that that is a way that the technology can improve it there. Um, so that's kind of sounds like along the lines of what you're saying for the average teacher would be able to have a more personalized experience with each student. Absolutely. So the teacher to be able to really personalize for education. And to your point, it's even more important for a special needs kid, where you have 20% of class who have different special needs for a variety of reasons. Yeah. How do you make sure that you understand the different accommodations, whether they're working or not, and create not just for the formality of a case management to track all that accommodation, but actually have the personalized learning path, you'd be surprised how many in, in an inclusive learning environment, how many teachers in the classroom may not be even aware of the specialized learning paths that have been recommended by the counselor because they don't have that information in real time. It's sitting in a separate special ed environment. Right. So one of our big uh, goals and focus has been in bringing the entire special ed environment right into the learning management, right into the assessment. So it's really connected. This is where you see the vision of really bringing all these spaces together, not so that they are sitting in their silos and really not be available and bringing them together. Uh, in many of the conversations I've had, um, executives had said that because of the pandemic, their development of technology has accelerated to where maybe their horizon was um, several years. It's now become several months. Is that it? Is that true in, in the case of PowerSchool? Talk a little bit about what the horizon looks like. Absolutely. I, th I think as I mentioned earlier, this definitely uh, has put a bright shining light to the digital gap and to the digital transformation needs in the K-12 and many districts are, have not just looked through that in the classroom. As I mentioned, uh, you know, we, you know, we, we added uh, in Schoology where we were already one of the market leaders in learning management, we added 4 million more students in North America, including some entire states uh, who uh, selected uh, Schoology as a learning passion platform because they wanted to do that. And you definitely saw that, but we also saw big needs in things like professional learning, enrollments, and all those aspects. But we now seeing that across the board, even their back office HR and talent management platforms, improving their assist infrastructure that it can give them more flexibility. So we are really seeing this holistically across the different aspects. And uh, we believe this is uh, definitely uh, an impetus which will help greatly all the technology, addressing the technology gap for the students, making technology more easy available for them, 
and then the transformation at the district level will ultimately really benefit the education significantly. In your, in your perspective, um, we really can take some uh, positives <laughs> out of this, out, out of the situation that we're currently um, in. Yeah, the, you know, in my mind, I think when you look at what te our teachers and our educators have really uh, done in the last, uh, you know, six to eight, nine months has been tremendous. Uh, back even in March, April, they came to quickly, even though they had to scramble, they quickly made sure that the kids had some learning sense of resemblance and continuity, which is very important just for learning, but even their mental well-being. Yeah. And then really, as we are seeing this back to school, the engagement levels have significantly improved even in a virtual or hybrid model than what we saw during the spring. Uh, the putting the, the tools uh, as well as the right learning practices. So I think the silver lining really has been as our, our educators have really taken this at a whole different level. And all that focus on the issues around digital equity around the ability to make sure we are looking at the whole child. I think some of these does have a silver lining that it will benefit in helping us personalize education for the next generation. Well, that's great. Uh, I always like to finish these conversations with the, with the glass half full. So uh, that just did it, made the rest of my day pleasant. <laughs> Thank you, Hardeep. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Kevin, for, for having me on this call. And thanks for everyone for uh, listening in. Uh, I hope you click around and find another uh, episode of Remote Possibilities soon.